We looked a few weeks ago at Luke chapter 10, and uh, we're going to go back there today and, and pick up uh, a little bit, a little bit further on from where we were. We saw that Jesus said, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. This is verse 2. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus wants us to pray for laborers and, and to, he wants us to be recruiting laborers into his harvest. And then he tells, his, he tells these 70, he said, go your way. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. And he gives them, gives them some instructions for their journey and, and for how they, should, uh, how they should be serving and ministering there uh, among the people. And the Bible tells us that there was a man that stood up. He was a certain lawyer, stood up. And in verse 25, he says, a certain lawyer stood and tempted him. This lawyer was not... He was not an attorney like we think of, of lawyers today, but a lawyer was one who had studied the, the law of God, studied the, the, uh, the Old Testament laws there, and, and he, knew, he knew them very intricately. And, and, he, and he knew exactly what the law said. He knew it very well and was able to use it to his benefit. And so notice the Bible says in, in verse 25, a lawyer uh, stood tempted and tempted him. He's trying to trap Jesus. He's one of the Pharisees. He's trying to trap Jesus in his words. And he, and he asked Jesus what he could do to inherit eternal life. And so Jesus Knowing that he's a lawyer, he says, what is written in the law? How readest thou? What a, what a, a wise answer from a wise God, amen? He knew exactly where to, where to address, address the issue with this man. And the man says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength. And with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Well, that's what Jesus had, had said when somebody asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. He said, all the Old Testament is dependent upon loving God and loving others. The Old Testament was there to show us to show us what righteousness looked like and the fact that we couldn't keep it. And he said, if you love like you should, then you'll be able to keep the law. But the problem is we can't. And notice what the notice what what the, the Jesus response was. He said he said to him, thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. He said, hey, if you can keep the law, then you're going to live. You don't have anything to worry about. The problem was the man had already not kept the law. And in not keeping the law, he had broken all of it. James says, if you, if you uh, keep the law but you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. See, it, it, just, takes, it just takes sin in your life for you to be guilty. And the fact that we are sinners uh, born apart from God, the fact that we have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, that is what brings us into condemnation. Jesus didn't come to, to, to come along and say, well, you're going to be saved and you're not, and you're saved, you're saved, and you're not. Nope, 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 just all of those, no. No, Jesus didn't, didn't come for that. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus said that, uh, that, they, that they are condemned already because they've not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This, I, I talked about that last week from John chapter 3. And, and so it was in the fact that this man had not put his faith in Jesus Christ that he was already a sinner. He had already broken the law. He had already depended on himself. And the Bible says that, uh, the Bible says, notice here in verse 20, uh, uh, Verse 29, it says, but he, notice this, willing to justify himself, said, 
unto Jesus and who's my neighbor? Rather than, rather than humbling himself and admitting that he has not been able to keep the law, rather than throwing himself at the mercy of God and saying, God, I've not kept the law. I'm guilty. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Rather than fall at the mercy and the justice of God, rather than throw himself there at the feet of Jesus Christ, he wanted to justify himself. And that's what we do. That's what religion tells you to do. Make yourself acceptable to God. Make yourself uh, uh, righteous. Do this, do that. Uh, say these prayers. Count these beads. Do, you know, do this penance. And, and, and whenever you get to the, to the end of your life, maybe you won't have, uh, Catholicism tells you, maybe you won't have to spend too much time in purgatory. You know, purgatory is, a, is an idea that is foreign from Scripture. You will not find that teaching in the Bible. So, the, Because the Bible says to be absent from the body for a believer is to be present with the Lord. But if you're absent from the body and you're not saved, you'll be apart from the Lord in the place the Bible calls hell. This man wanted to justify himself. And unless he trusted in Jesus Christ at a later date, this man, religious as he was, knowing the law inside and out, died and went to hell. You'll never justify yourself. But notice what his question was. Who's my neighbor? Who, who, is, who is my neighbor? Who is it that, that I have to be good to in order to please God? It's kind of a selfish question, isn't it? Now, he poses it in a way that makes him sound really nice. And so many times our churches get off track from the main thing and they get focused on social justice, and they get focused on all these peripheral issues, and they're not focused on the main thing, and that is teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because regardless of, of, of what injustice has been done in the world, Jesus Christ will save, and he'll have mercy and grace, and Jesus will transform the life. Man is going to continue in sin. Man is going to continue to do wrong to others. There's going to be injustice as long as mankind is in control of their lives. As long as sin is reigning in the hearts of man, there will be injustice. You're never going to rid this world of injustice. But Jesus Christ will one day. When he comes and sets up his kingdom and he rules with a rod of iron, Jesus Christ is going to take care of all of that. But hey, our, our social programs, all of these things that we have in place, hey, maybe they're good, but it's not the main thing. And for churches to get caught up in all of that, we're sidetracked and we're not focusing on what Jesus Christ has for us. Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't say he came to build houses for the homeless. He didn't say he came to, he came to, uh, to give health care free to all. He didn't say he came to make sure everybody has a cell phone or a good education. Jesus said, I came to set you free from your sin. And that's what man needs. Now, we've got, the, we've got this political season building up and, and the election process coming along. And you know what? There's, there's not a single one of the candidates that's going to be Messiah. There's not a single one of them that are going to, be, that, that are going to have all the answers to all the human ailments. And so we need to be sure that we don't fall prey to all of the, all of the, the wave that, that wants to take us off into one of those directions. Now, I will say this, you need to compare what those people say and what they stand for against the Word of God. And if they, if they stand for something that's contrary to the Word of God, hey, you, you, don't, you don't cast your vote for those people. You don't support those programs that, that, are, that, are, not, that are not in line with the Word of God. 
But that's another message for another time. That was just a little nugget I'll throw in there in this free, you know. Uh, but, uh, but the main thing we need to focus on is reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man said, who's my neighbor? Let's take a look at, and see how the, how the Lord answered his question. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion on him. Now, notice the, notice the wording here. Jesus says there was a certain man. The word certain means there was a specific person. Now, Jesus doesn't give names here, and so many have, have, have approached this as if it were a parable. But I can imagine as argumentative as the Pharisees were and as the Jews were, that, uh, that if Jesus had told this just as a parable, uh, that uh, is something that had not taken place, that they would have said, there's no way that a Samaritan would do that. Because the Jews and the Samaritans were at odds with one another. The, the, Samaritans were, uh, the Samaritans were people who had, who had kind of uh, sided with Rome a little bit and they had, and they had intermarried and intermingled uh, and, and there were, uh, there, there were you know, multiple bloodlines going there and, and people groups that were involved and, and the Jews hated them. Some, some, were, uh, some had some Jewish ancestry and, and so the Jews looked at them as, as trash there were some, there was some animosity. There, there were some divisions, and, and and there was also some religious division. You remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? Uh, Jesus spoke to her, and, and she said, "How is it that you, being a Jew, are speaking to me, a woman of Samaria?" Because that that kind of thing just didn't happen. Later, uh, she said to Jesus. Our fathers say that we worship in this mountain, but you say that we ought to worship in Jerusalem. That's when Jesus said, the time cometh and now is. The Father seeketh such to worship him that worship him in spirit and in truth. There was some religious division there between the Jews and the Samaritans. Many, many causes for division and, 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 and skepticism and things like that. So Jesus told this story that was very likely to, have, to be a situation that had actually happened. Because you see, the, the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho was a treacherous one. It was, it was well known during that time that it was a place where, where thieves and robbers would, would, uh, would frequent and, and they would attack people and rob them and beat them up just like it happened to this man. This certain man, this specific person had gone from Jerusalem heading to Jericho and had been attacked. And, and had been beaten unjustly. He had been robbed of everything that he had. And he had been left, the Bible says, half dead. They probably left him, and they, they didn't care if he died. And you know, there are people that this world has that this world has taken advantage of, has stripped them of everything, even their dignity, and they've left them and forsaken them. They've kicked them to the curb and, and left them to die, and they don't care. Maybe you found yourself in that situation before where the world is, has used you, abused you, and left you forsaken, not caring about you. There are many in this world around us that that has happened to them. And along comes the, the priest. A certain priest, the Bible says, came that way. Notice, the Bible says that the priest saw him. But what happened? It says when he saw him, he passed by 
on the other side. Here's this, here's this man beaten and robbed and left for dead, laying there on the side of the road, laying there in the, in the, in, in, on the, the roadway there, and the, the priest comes and he sees him. And so he doesn't have to get close enough to, to listen to him moan. So he doesn't have to get close enough to where he'll feel a responsibility. He goes to the other side to pass by. Maybe, maybe the priest was headed to Jerusalem and he knew that if he came by and, and touched this man, he would be defiled and he would not be able to serve. Because of the, the, the requirements for the priests. Oh, we can come up with some good excuses. But it doesn't make, but an excuse. Somebody, somebody defined an excuse like this. It's the skin of a reason stuffed full of lies. It looks good and it looks understandable outside. But inside it's just, it's, it's, it's fluff, it's stuff, it's trash. There's, there's, it, holds no, it, it holds no weight in reality. When you stand before God, excuses will not, will not hold up. When there's somebody that's beaten and battered by the world and hurting, and they have, they have a need that God wants us to meet, hey, we're not going to be able to say, well, you know, he might have got his blood on me. Right? We're not going to be able to say, I, I, I might have I gotten my clothes dirty. We're not going to be able to say, I didn't know if maybe the thieves were still lurking around and just using him as bait so they could beat me and take everything that I have. So this certain priest came along and he saw him and did what most religion really does rather than addressing the true issues and the real problems that just pass by on the other side. Then along comes a Levite. The Bible says this Levite came along and, 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 and if you notice, the Levite followed the example of the priest. And there are many people who are, who are watching the example of Christians who are, uh, who, and they'll see, us, they'll see us live a certain way and do a certain thing, treat people a certain way, and they will follow suit you know, it's, it's been, it's been in, in the news and on TV and social media and all of that about Kanye West saying that he got saved. I don't know anybody's heart, but I've heard his testimony. And it seems as legitimate as mine and yours. And I praise God for it. I thank God that, that God is in the business of cha changing lives, even of, of, of people who are in the spotlight of of. of the world, even those who are considered celebrities. I'm grateful for those who, who believe in Jesus Christ and are willing to stand and say, Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord. The problem is the religious crowd, they're going to look at him and say, well, he's not doing everything that we're doing. He's not, he's not automatically shunning that old lifestyle. He's not automatically telling his wife to put on more clothes. He's not automatically, but, but he did. And they want to shake the finger and point and they want to walk by on the other side rather than, rather than coming along and saying, praise God, God saves sinners. Praise God that somebody's life is being transformed. Rather than encouraging them and helping to teach them the way, the truth, and the life, they want to point the finger. And you know what that does? It tells all the other celebrities who are bound in sin and caught in that, in that trap of sin that are saying, I just wish that I could do that. But if I did that, look what they're going to do to me. Bad testimony, church. Let's not be that way. Let's not be like the priest that passed by on the other side and wants to find all the reasons that they're probably really not a Christian. Let's not be that kind. You know, it may, it may come down to it where, where he didn't really believe, but I, I'd be surprised. And here's the thing. If he, if he truly trusted Jesus as his Savior, then he received the same Holy Spirit that you and I have. 
And that same Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit because holiness is what He expects. And He's going to lead us and guide us into truth just like He will every person that trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. But the problem is one generation of religious people after another come along and they turn up their noses and they pass by on the other side and we're setting an example for those coming behind us. And if, if we're not setting a right example, how many opportunities are we going to miss to reflect the love of Jesus Christ? Then the Bible says, verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. This, this Samaritan, as he journeyed, he's going about his his daily life, he's going about his routine and an opportunity just presented itself. It wasn't that he, that he got up that morning and, and loaded up his, his donkey with, with uh, different supplies and everything and said, all right, here I go. I'm going to walk on this, journey, this path that leads from, from Jerusalem to Jericho and back and, and I'm going to look and see if there's anybody that's gotten beaten up today. No, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily on a mission. He wasn't, it wasn't that he was planning on going and helping somebody that day. But he was prepared to help somebody. He was, he, he was willing to be inconvenienced. He was willing to, to give of himself. And, and, and so the Bible says, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, his, his response was one of mercy. His response was one of love. His response was one, the Bible says he had compassion on him. He didn't say, well, I'm busy. I've got other things to do. Somebody else will take care of that or he'll get over it and he'll be okay. How often are we guilty of having the somebody else will do it mentality? How about that person that God has been, has been putting in your path day after day or week after week and prompting you to be a witness to them, to share the gospel with them, but you say, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know everything to say and what if they ask me a question that I'm not ready to answer and, and, you know, somebody else will do that. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be a witness. He wants us to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. Well, what if, what if I go over and I'm talking to them and somebody sees me and they think that I'm just as bad as that person? You know, our, our Savior set the example for us. He was, he was criticized as, as, as being a friend of publicans and sinners. I'm thankful that he's a friend of sinners. That means he's my friend. Amen? He's a friend to me. And oh, what a friend he is. And I'm so grateful for Jesus being a friend. But this Samaritan, he, he saw him and he came where he was and he had compassion on him. Notice what the Bible says he did. He says, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. This Samaritan, as he journeyed, he's going about his responsibilities. Maybe he's on his way to work. Maybe he's, maybe he's traveling. Or The Bible doesn't say exactly what he's up to. But he sees a man in need. And he knows that, he knows that something needs to be done. This man has been beaten. He's been robbed. He's been, he's been stripped of his, his clothing. He's laying there in the streets, bloody and naked and, and wounded and, and, and left half dead. Somebody has to do something. And he didn't say somebody else will. In essence, his 
mindset was this guy needs help. So I'm going to help him. He had compassion on him. He went to him. He knelt down where he was. He saw his wounds and, and, he, and he poured in oil and wine. that They used that to, to cleanse and to purify the wounds. And, and, and he bound up his wounds and, and, and helped him. And the Bible says he, he helped him get up and, and he put him on his own animal. He wasn't like, dude, you're going to get blood all over my stuff. You're going to make a mess of, of, of my, you know, I was going to ride that, that donkey. No, he didn't care. He didn't care that it was inconveniencing him. He didn't care that it was costing him. All he knew was, here's a man who, unless somebody intervenes, this man is going to die. And he was willing to do whatever it takes to help him. He put him on his, his own beast and took him to an inn. The Bible says he took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. Now, two pence, that's basically two days' wages. How, how, much, how much a man would be paid for two days' work. And he took out that amount of money and gave it to the innkeeper. And said, look, hey, I've, I've taken care of him, but, if, if, but here's some money to pay for his room, to pay for his, his food. If, if, and, and to give you a little bit as you, you know, if he, if he needs anything else. Here's some money to compensate for that. He was willing to make some sacrifices on his own. He was willing to be inconvenienced and to sacrifice because this person had a need. Jesus said, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Notice, what, what did the man ask? He said, who's my neighbor? But Jesus turned it around and he said, who was neighbor to him? He, he was not, in essence, he was saying, he was saying to this lawyer, I'm not asking you, and, and you're, you're, you're missing the point when you're, when you're asking the question, who is my neighbor? The true question should be, who can I be neighborly toward? Who can, who can I be a neighbor to? Jesus said, which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he, the lawyer said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. You know what the difference was here? Between the, the priest and the, the Levite and even the lawyer and the Samaritan? The difference was compassion. See, compassion is, 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 the, is, is how love moves in your heart to, to help someone who is in need. Someone said that compassion is your hurt in my heart. You know, when I, when I hear about, about people who are, who are hurting, I, I, I want to do what I can to help them and, and whatever I, whatever's within my power to, to help them, I want to do it. And that ought to be, our, that ought to be how, our, how we respond in those situations. When, when we see someone who is going through a difficult time, maybe Satan has been on their back and has been tempting them and, and, and beating them down uh, because they're trapped in a, in, in a pit of sin. Uh, even though they've been, maybe, maybe they've been saved, but they've gotten themselves back into some sin. And as Romans 6 says, they've yielded themselves as servants to sin. Hey, our, our heart is, is not to, to look upon them and say, well, you made your bed, sleep in it. But we should, as Galatians says, if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Somebody could have said, well, you know, that guy, he knew that that was a dangerous, a dangerous road going from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's his own fault that he went that way. And you know what? Maybe so. 
It doesn't change the fact that he's beaten, stripped, robbed, and left half dead. It doesn't change the fact that he has needs now. What matters is, how are you going to respond to the one in need? How are we going to act toward those who truly have needs in their life? How are we going to invest in them? How are we going to give of ourselves? I guess, first of all, we need to ask the question, what do they really need? What do they really need? The first thing this guy needed was for somebody to have compassion. For somebody to care. Do you care? Do we truly care about the people around us? Do we really care what happens to people? I mean, it's great to see one another on Sunday and, and, uh, and you know, we, we enjoy that. But when we walk away from here, do we forget all about them? Out of sight, out of mind? Do we, do we really care about people? When you see somebody struggling, uh, struggling along, it, do you have a, a heart to go and help? Or is, is your attitude, nobody helped me. It's good for them to struggle. The Bible says that the great, Jesus said the greatest command was to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. They need somebody who's going to care because they are loved. On Wednesday night in our growth group, we were talking about compassion. Uh, and, and there was a story in the, in, in the lesson that told about, about, this, about the city of North Platte, Nebraska. Shortly after the attack on Pearl Harbor, there were some soldiers who were going to be coming through uh, on the train, coming through North Platte, Nebraska, and word got out to, uh, to the city, that, uh, to that little town, that their, that their soldiers, the soldiers from North Platte, were going to be coming through, and they were going to have some time to get off the train and see their friends and family and all of that. Uh, and so the day came and the families had, had uh, they were all excited and they had prepared uh, care baskets and all of that with some goodies and, and different things that, the, you know, maybe some socks and some blankets or whatever that the soldiers might need as they're, as they're going off uh, and uh, going off to battle. And they prepared these things for, the, for their soldiers. And the day came, the train pulled in. Everybody's all excited. And they're, they're, uh, they're cheering for these soldiers that are coming through. And, and the, the train stops and the soldiers begin to get off. And they begin to notice it's, it's nobody they recognize. Because there had been a mix-up somewhere. And, and when they were told that it was people, the soldiers from their, their little town, they were misinformed. It was from some other place over in Kansas. And as all these soldiers are getting off the train and just kind of walking around a little bit, stretching their legs, looking around, you know, kind of like, you know, you would in a place that you're, you're not familiar with. These families standing there with these baskets and they, all of a sudden one of the ladies goes over and she walks up to one of the soldiers and she says, I want to give this to you. I want you to know you are loved and we appreciate what you're doing for our country. And one family after another went up to, to soldiers, complete strangers, and, and began to show some love to them and to invest in them and to care for them and to meet some of their needs. And, and years later, uh, the story was told that, that over the course of the war, millions of soldiers had passed through that way and received care baskets. Sometimes 8,000 in a day would receive care baskets from North Platte, Nebraska. And, and a, a man heard about this story and he, he went and did some research and he, he he wrote a book about it, and, and as he interviewed some of those soldiers, he said to the man, he said the, he said the response was the same. He said, I asked them, how did, how did that affect you? He said every one of them stood there with tears coming down their face. They said, I felt loved and cared for. 
in North Platte, Nebraska. And that just kind of got me thinking. How many times do people pass through the doors of Cross Point? They come in, they sit in the service, they get their gift bag, they go their way. How many, how many of them would truly be able to say, I honestly and genuinely felt loved and cared for at Cross Point? No, the person that comes walking in, we may not be able to see that they have wounds. We may not be able to see that they've been stripped and battered by sin and, and by, by life. But every person has needs. Here's the reality is everybody is having a hard time. Everybody needs somebody to show some love to them. How many of them are we making sure? See, if, 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 if as, as part of the church, if you are depending on me to show all that love, hey, I'll do my dead level best to show the love to the people and make sure that I can do everything I, I know to do and, and I possibly can to love on them and to help them to feel loved and appreciated and, and, and honored. Uh, but it's not all up to me. It's up to you. I am not the church. You are. I am part of it. I'm we are the church. And, and it's up to us as the church to not be the religious, the religious person, the, Le the priest or the Levite, but it's up to us regardless of regardless how we've been treated, regardless of how bad of a week we've had, regardless of, of what, uh, what hand life has dealt us, it's up to us to go to the person who's hurting and suffering and has needs and, and come alongside them and to get under the burden with them and to help them to get up and to help them to, to find the healing that they need because everybody's been hurt and everybody needs healing and it's healing that comes from Jesus Christ. And you've, re you've received some healing. And I've received some healing. And we know where that healing comes from. And we can tell them, hey, Jesus is the answer that you need. We can help them with that. What do they really need? Oh, they, they really need Jesus. They really need the gospel. They really need the, the message of, of salvation. They need the Holy Spirit. They need the joy that comes from the Lord. They need the encouragement of the brethren. They need the church. So how can we best help them receive it? What do they really need? They need us to love them. You'll show love to no one any, any, in any greater way than to share the gospel with them. But here's a problem. The person's been beaten. Many, many times we think, about, we think about situations from our perspective. But what we need to do, remember compassion is your hurt in my heart. It's I'm feeling, I'm doing what I can to understand and feel your pain. What we need to do rather than, rather than looking on the person, we need to put ourselves in their position. Maybe, maybe uh, sit, sit down next to them a little bit and, and to talk to them. Maybe understand a little bit, you know, what's going on. I mean, if, if Levi's over here and he's hurting and he's got, he's got some, uh, maybe he's got some neck and shoulder pain here. For me to say, hey, here, let me help you with that. All better. You can see clearly. and Everything's fine. You know what I've done? I've addressed a problem that he didn't even have. We're good at that, aren't we? And we feel so good about ourselves because we have helped him. He has been blessed. But have we really done anything? You know what people, you know, you know what the best way sometimes is for people to receive what we have to offer? It's for us to come along and say, 
How you doing? Good. No, you're not. <laughs> What's best is for us to take some time with them. Jesus told the, the parable of the sower and the seed, and, and he talked about how, how the sower went out to sow, you know, and he's out there you know, throwing the seed, broadcasting the seed, and that's good. That's wonderful. We ought to do that. The seed is the word of God, and we're the sowers, and we're you know, going out and spreading the gospel everywhere we go. Some fell by the wayside. You know, where, where people had been walking along the roads and, and had packed that earth down and, and had maybe, maybe horses and oxen and all that had gone across it and packed that earth down. It was, it was hard. Some of the, of the seed fell among the thorns and, it was, and they began to grow up, but they were choked. By the, by the thorns. Some fell among uh, stony ground where, the, where it didn't have deepness of earth and the roots couldn't go down deep and, and so it wasn't getting the nourishment it needed and they grew up but they quickly withered away. The Bible says some fell among good ground and it brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But as you think about, about that situation, think about that scenario, the, the ground is the hearts and lives of people that you are sowing the seed of the gospel in their lives. Some have had people to walk all over them. They've been beaten down by life. Some of them have, have their hearts have some, have some hard and stony areas where they're just, they're just determined, they're just going to hold on to some things. Some of them, they've got, they've got the cares of this life that are, that are there that, that chokes out the joy and chokes out the fruitfulness. But there's some, their hearts are open and tender and fertile soil for the seed of the gospel to come in and to make a real difference in their lives. But you know what the difference is? The difference is with the good ground, somebody took time to plow. Somebody took time to pull the thorns and the weeds. Somebody took time to dig up the rocks. You know, sometimes the rocks that, that are in somebody's life, it's, 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 a, it's an area of, of unbelief because of some faulty teaching that they've, that they've heard. Maybe that rock that's in their life, is, it's, a, it's a hardened will. They've received Jesus as their Savior, and, and they, they love Jesus. They want him. They're grateful that he's forgiven them of their sins. But after some time, as the roots begin to go down deep, something touches upon, something touches upon an area that, of their heart and life that, you know, they've said, you know, I'm not willing to surrender right there right now. And so the... the the seed is not able to take root like it should. So the fruit is not born in their life. They need somebody to come along and love them. Maybe to take some time to love them. And not to say, look, you stubborn, bullheaded jerk. What are you doing? Jesus is so good to you. Why would you, why would you not just give in? Let go and let God, amen? You know, I mean, we can give them all the Christian cliches we want to. It's not going to help them one bit. In fact, the more we hammer them like that, the more we're going over there and stomping on that soil, packing it down. But what we need to do is we need to just love them. Show them the love and compassion that Jesus showed. Maybe... Maybe find out some things that's going on in their life. Maybe we could, maybe we could ask them, you know, uh, as, ask them some questions and maybe do a little bit of listening. For far too long, the church has been talking at people. But a conversation is not, it's not dial, it's not, uh, it's not a, it's not a monologue. A conversation is dialogue. We speak to them, but we listen to them as well. Because unless I listen, I'm not going to know that it's Levi's neck and shoulder. 
And I'll think that he's just, you know, wincing and all because his glasses are messed up. I'm addressing a wrong problem. But if we show compassion, begin to try to understand a little bit. We get down to where people live. And we learn what's really going on. And when we learn what's really going on, then the Holy Spirit will help us to apply the scriptures and apply the the word of God to their lives and encourage them and help them to bring healing to their hearts. That's what they need. You know, maybe you've got somebody that you've been witnessing to and sharing the gospel with them for, for a long time. Maybe you've got some people that you've tried to encourage in their Christian life, and it's just, it's just taking some time. I was reading a while back about avocados. I know it's a strange thing for a person to read about. But you know, an avocado, from the time you plant the seed to the time that you can pick the fruit, sometimes it is 10 to 15 years. But you have to stick with it. Continue to cultivate that, that plant. Continue to, to water it and to, to fertilize it, to help it. You don't just give up on it just because you plant the seed. And, Where are my avocados? Right? I mean, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, you plant a weed and it's going to grow up immediately, but you plant something that you actually want and it's going to take a long time. And when we plant the seed of the gospel in somebody's life, sometimes they get saved pretty quickly. Sometimes as we love them, uh, those who are believers but they've been hurt, sometimes they they get right pretty quickly. But other times it takes some time. So the best way that we can help them to receive love and receive the gospel is for us to love them. Somebody said that the best way to spell love is T-I-M-E. Just take some time with them. How many of you can think of somebody who spent some time with you to help you to overcome some of those difficulties that you faced in your past? And, they've, and you've, in, you've, they've invested in you to help you to grow to be the person that God has helped you to be today. All because somebody cared enough to take some time with you and to love you. So Jesus asked, which now of these thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do thou likewise. You've received mercy. Now go and show mercy. You've been helped. Now go help. The Samaritan had probably been done wrong in so many ways by the Jewish people. But he didn't have a hard heart. He had compassion. Chances are somebody had showed compassion on him. And I've got a pretty good idea that somebody was Jesus. To help to transform his life so that he would love somebody who would be considered even his enemy. To help him. So what do they really need? The gospel. They need somebody to love them. How best can we help them receive it? By loving them. Taking time with them. Giving them the gospel. Giving them God's word. Sharing his. The Bible says his word is full of exceeding great and precious promises. Give them some promises. You know, if you see somebody that's struggling in their Christian life, one of the best things you can do is just give them a scripture that has helped you when you've gone through that difficult time. Number three, are we willing to do whatever it takes? The Samaritan was going to help somebody who would be considered his enemy. The Samaritan was going to be inconvenienced. The Samaritan 
was going to have to humble himself. The Samaritan was going to have to sacrifice. That's what it took for him to help that man who had been beaten, stripped, and robbed, and left for dead. Every person that we have compassion on, it might not, they might not be in that same condition. But when, when God puts somebody in your path as you go about life's journey, God puts somebody in your path for you to show compassion on them and to help them. The question is, are you willing to do whatever it takes? Whatever it takes. Are you willing to invest in them? Time, hey, even money. So I'm not talking about handing them, a, handing them a wad of cash. Notice this man never gave that, it never says he gave that man any money. But he took care of some needs. He paid for some things that this man would need. He invested in him. He bound up his wounds. He helped bring healing to that man. I wonder, are you willing to do whatever it takes? We have a world around us full of people who are hurting. They've had a lot of religious people throw up their nose, probably say stuff about them as they walk on their self-righteous way. Are you willing to show the love of Jesus and be inconvenienced? You know, the, by, by inconveniencing himself and going to help this man, he, he made a commitment to him. He, he, he couldn't come and, and just bind up his wounds and then just leave him there. That wouldn't have been right either. Oh, yeah, he did a little bit of something. But he needed to see it through. He needed to stick with it and stay with, and stay, uh, with the situation. Notice, he, he, whenever he took him to the end, he took care of him. And the next day, he had to go, but he made sure he was cared for. And he said, look, here's, here's two days' wages, and if it costs anything else, when I come back through here, I'll, I'll make it right. I'll take care of it. You might say, well, I don't have money to help anybody. It doesn't always cost money, but sometimes it does. But it does take commitment. It does take time. It does take love. But many times we, we can't see past our mirror, right? We just looking in that mirror all the time, looking at ourselves, seeing our problems. Maybe we're going, you know, people, people, walk, along, people walk along the road like this. And if you, if you see what they've got on there, most of the time it's themselves, you know. And they might be talking to somebody, but, they, but they've got it where they can see themselves on there. And they're just walking along like this, you know, talking to people. Many times we, we don't put down the devices. We don't put down the things long enough for us to see somebody's got a need. Sometimes we can't get ourselves out of our own face long enough to see somebody else has a need. I wonder, will you be willing to set yourself aside to invest in somebody else this week? To see what they really need and see how God would help you to invest in them to bring the true healing that they need. See, the ultimate goal here is to get Jesus, is to get to present Jesus to them and see them saved and see them discipled. That's the ultimate goal. See them serving and, and do the same for somebody else. But many times, people don't want to know what you know until they know that you care. We need to show them that we care. Take some time with them. While you're taking time, talk to them about the goodness of God. Hey, boy, I tell you, I thank God he, he led me to come this way today. If Jesus didn't lead me to come this way, I wouldn't have run into you. I wouldn't have this opportunity to, 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 to tell you, hey, this is what he's done for me. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world. You know, take some time to share Jesus with them. I, I know that Levite passed by on the other side. I know that priest was, was wrong to just leave you like this. And I know, I know religion has done you wrong. But Jesus said he didn't come to call the righteous. 
but sinners to repentance. Those guys, they're going to stand before God and give an account one day. They don't realize how unrighteous they are. They think that they're all right. But here's the thing. When you, that's between them and God. What we need to do right now, talking about them is not going to help your hurt here. Talking about them is not going to, it's not going to do anything for, for your wounds. What we need is we need to take care of these, these wounds that you've got going on here. Where the thief has robbed you. Where the thief has beaten you up. We need to get you the help that you need. And that help is Jesus. Everything else is peripheral. Everything else is secondary. Their need is Jesus. But they'll never hear about his love. They'll never get to receive his help. If somebody doesn't have compassion. If somebody's not willing to do whatever it takes. If somebody's not willing to get their hands dirty. To reach somebody with the gospel. Let me ask you. What kind of church do we want to be? Do we want to be the kind that. Danny and Chandler, they'll, they'll get him. I'm going to go into church. I know somebody. Our church is a church that loves everybody. And I know somebody's going to help them. I've got other things that I need to do. I've got my stories to watch. Let's just get real. What kind of church are we going to be? Are we going to be a church that follows the example that Jesus gave us here and helps people? Are we going to be the kind of church that as a whole, our church says, Somebody else will get that. No doubt there, there are a few that are going to get that and help him. But if we, want to, if we want the church, if we want Crosspoint to be the kind of church that is a church that helps those in need like that, that takes the gospel to those who have been destroyed by sin, then every member of the church needs to be that kind. We cannot allow ourselves the luxury of saying somebody else will. Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. He wants you. He wants me to show mercy and to show love and compassion to get Jesus to those who have been hurt by sin. Robbed and left for dead. And unless we have compassion. Unless we care enough about them to do whatever it takes. They will die and go to hell. Do you care? It's easy to sit in, to sit in the service and say, oh yes, I care. But the way that we show that we care is with our day-to-day -day actions. There's a few ways that we show that we care about those who are, who are going to hell. One of those ways is by daily asking God, Lord, would you help me to recognize the opportunities you give me to present the gospel? Will you help me to be sensitive to, and, and to notice the, the, the people that you bring along my way that I can be a witness to them and tell them about your goodness? Hey, ask him. If you ask him, I'm quite certain he'll do that. <laughs> That's a prayer he, he wants to answer. But then be watching for it. Be ready. Hey, take some, take some gospel tracts. Hey, read your Bible every day so you've got some Bible verses that you have read that you can share with somebody and encourage them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Those are some good verses. Have something ready to share with people. 
Another way is by, is by regularly coming to church to, to hear the preaching and to, and to, and to grow in the, your walk with the Lord yourself. Another way that we show that we care about those who've been, who've been destroyed by sin is by, is by investing financially, in, uh, by giving in the offering, giving, to, uh, giving God's tithe and giving over and above that, the offerings and, and to, to our missions uh, projects as we're supporting missionaries who are going around the world and, and taking the gospel. And those, are, hey, those are all good ways. It does, they do not absolve us from the responsibility of taking our time and making sacrifices to invest in somebody who's been used and abused by the world to show them, hey, the world may say you're worthless, but Jesus loves you enough that he died for you. You're valuable to God. He loves you, and I do too. So, go and do likewise. Do you care that people are going to hell? Do you care that people have been left hurt by sin, hurt by religion, hurt by other people, robbed, stripped of everything? Do you care? I know you do then let's do something. Let's show that we care. Let's, show, let's have some compassion on others. And let's go and take Jesus to this world that so desperately needs him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Amen.